Hello everybody and welcome to DevOps Decrypted. This is episode 11, Flaming Hot Sauce. I'm your host, Romy Greenfield, and joining me today, I've got Rasmus, Jobin, and a new guest member, John Mortz. Say hi, everyone. Hello, hello. Cool. So today we're going to get saucy. Uh, we're talking about open source. Um, we know that Google have announced uh, a large chunk of money into maintaining open source software, uh, a maintenance team. So guys, what do you think about that? Well, I, I mean, this is something that had to be expected, right? Uh, we have all heard about the log for the vulnerability. We actually talked about it in our podcast, I think a few weeks, uh, yeah. months back. Yeah, we um, definitely did. Yes, and I think uh, this caught attention uh, in the tech community, but also even uh, for governments, right? And there was this big summit that happened at White House. Um, they held a meeting with uh, the big companies like Google, Apple, Amazon, IBM, Apache, all the big companies came together. Uh, White House actually um, started talking about how this vulnerabilities could be a national security issue. Right? Mm -hmm. And they started talking about how we can prevent such vulnerabilities and any cyber threats uh, coming out of those, uh, exploiting those vulnerabilities. And I think that's, that's where it all started. Uh, it was a good move and major companies like Google started exploring that further. Uh, obviously these companies were looking at open source even before much before this, but the focus is now shifted and they started looking at vulnerabilities specifically and how it could affect the products that we are developing, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that's where it all started. Um, John, Rasmus, what do you think? I mean, I think it might, it might be worth just stepping back a little bit and, and looking at like the impact of open source in general, right? So they, they, mm -hmm. um, open source, like almost everything you do, like every device you touch pretty much is built using open source software and relying on the things. So this isn't, this isn't a small thing. Like mm -hmm. open source is, is huge and it's transformed the industry. Um, uh, like I, I was, I was thinking the other day, I couldn't, I couldn't, can't really imagine what, what, what developing or using a computer would look like if you couldn't use open source software to, 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 to do that or bit, bit building things. It would be pretty yeah. much impossible. Um, yeah. So it's fundamental um, to, to kind of every, every, everything we do, and, and the security of that obviously is is massively important. And it, and it feels like um, the world is sort of only just waking up to something that lots of people have been shouting about for. For, for, for quite a long quite a long time um yeah. yeah there seems to be a pattern in human behavior about this a few select people notice that there's a massive issue you have to wait till it snowballs till enough people higher up go oh actually this could be a problem for us and it takes a company like google like amazon like a, a, a big giant to actually go do you know what maybe we should throw some money at this problem it's affecting us just as much as it's affecting the little people i mean i know i haven't even been in software engineering where I haven't had access to open source. It's always been open source to me. It's what I started using from almost day one of learning how to code. So yeah, it's it's massively important. There, there's so much good and bad involved here. And, and I could talk about open source for hours and I'll try to hold back a little bit here. But it's it's both incredibly good, like John points out, what open source has allowed us to do this, at this point in time. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful feel of all these uh, enthusiast pro uh, projects that have been put together by people just because they wanted to. 
it's not driven by you know, profit and greed and all those kind of things, which is good. But it's also bad in that this level of volunteering means that a lot of the times you will end up with you know corners and spots that get less attention when they really kind of warrant it, especially when half the world starts using it. So it's good when companies like Google and others put money into fixing actual security issues to help, you know, kind of like put band-aids on the, on the wounds. But it's also kind of bad because that doesn't fix open source. We, we talk about DevOps a lot on this thing, of course. And I think we emphasize in DevOps over and over and over again, that it's actually about culture. It's very, very much about culture, not so much about tools and things. And the same goes with open source, where it's really the culture of how you, you get people on board, how you run the projects. No amount of money is going to be able to fix that. So this is kind of going to be a, a helpful act at a one point in time, but there are there, there's a bigger topic of how open source can remain healthy. Yeah, I mean, I know when we've done hack days before, we've got projects where people have literally just contributed their time to working on open source projects maintenance. And I almost feel like every company that uses open source, which is probably every company, should make a commitment of giving their developers X amount of time, X amount of days a year, where they should solely be working on an open source project that is used in their products. And that might actually be one of the, the almost better solutions in just that, sure, the companies can donate money and get tax benefits. That's the cold cynical view on it. But encouraging a culture within their organization of contributing to open source, open source mm -hmm. that their employees are excited about, not necessarily actually using it, but just that they're excited about improving. That can help grow you know, the field of people involved in open source. And it's, it's, it follows the whole thing about all bugs are shallow if you have enough eyes. So you just, you need more people and more time in open source to fix all the things. And I think that is actually what Google is doing here, right? I mean, Google had been contributing to open source from a long, long time ago. But now what they're doing is they're coming up with something called the open source maintenance crew which is an, a dedicated set of resources specifically looking at open source code and you know trying to fix the vulnerabilities in it. It's not like Google hadn't been doing that earlier, but now they have a dedicated team doing it. Are we starting to see more and more companies doing that? It, it seems going that route. I, yeah, because so, I, so I, I wonder whether this is a societal issue. You know, this is, you know, this is big, big enough that this is something that like, it, I mean, it, Got like it should be dealt with at government level and and um it, and it's almost an ethical um must for companies to be involved and to be contributing to the things that they 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 rely on and um yeah kind of always reminded of the um well xkcd has got, got a cartoon for everything right but there's yeah. um so there's the uh this is the, the famous one of that of the the um layers of architecture with that the little little tiny piece that um there's there which is like maintained by um so run project some random person in nebraska nebraska has been uh, thanklessly maintaining since 2003 <laughs> and then everything's piled on top of it so that's the next case cd um two, two three four seven and so i think that if you if you're if you're a, if you're a large organization or, or even medium size like relying on that on that 
you should be contributing to it um, you, and Definitely. you should be encouraging staff to be um, to, to be doing that and kind of and backing that financially as as, as, as well so yeah Joe, and i think you're, you're spot on with that it's it's come it's a, it's a duty there almost to um to, to be con contributing and uh, and 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 it is a societal issue yeah and i mean that's reflected in the fact that when what happened with uh log uh shell I can't, I can't even remember what it's called now. Um, log for Jay. Log for Jay. Um, it was reflected in that because, uh, you know, one vulnerability in that, I think it was from two, 2003 or something really early that that vulnerability had been in there. Um, and obviously no, no one had been like, concerned with the security of that there hadn't been like a full security test to, to know whether that had a vulnerability in it and if we had people investing you know, if you used it you invested the time to check that it was secure or that it was kind of signed off by a different company you checked that it was secure then maybe you know we could have saved ourselves a lot of hassle yeah, absolutely. And and Google actually is doing a lot more than just, you know, promising money against it, as I was saying earlier. Um, I think they, they first promised like 100 million towards the cost of, you know, uh, uh, supporting openness of uh, in the first place. But then they created a framework around it. Um, uh, I don't know if you know about this, the no prevent fits framework that Google introduced. Uh, basically, the thing is, you know, first you know about all the vulnerabilities in the software. I mean, that, that's not easy because you know the vulnerabilities keep popping up, uh, but somebody how to actually create a shared um, database of all the known vulnerabilities and things like that. But the first thing is to you know know about the vulnerabilities in your software. Um, again, you have so many open source uh, libraries that you're using in your software. So it may not be as easy as you think, but that's the first step, right? And then prevent the addition of new vulnerabilities. So that's the no prevent and then fits, right? Fits or remove the vulnerabilities. But in order for you to do that, uh, as, as I was saying earlier, you have to have a centralized place where all the vulnerabilities are documented. Then you have dedicated resources who are identifying those vulnerabilities and fixing those. Um, I think that's where this new maintenance crew will be effective, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we cannot wait for uh, individual maintainers to come and fix the vulnerability. It's going to take a lot of time. Uh, whereas if you have a dedicated team from companies like Google who can constantly looking for vulnerabilities and fixing it, that will help the open source community as a whole and definitely improve security. Yeah, again, like just like DevOps, it is a combination of you know people and tools and culture and so on. Mm -hmm. So as much as I like harping about you know, open source culture and so on, it certainly would be nice if you know there was a supporting underlying framework where you had all these nice automated methods to uh, did you know your open source product so and so has a vulnerability identified over here here is a pull request that actually increases the dependency on the vulnerable component you're relying on just click the button and you're done that can help take out some of the toil part of open source products which are the ones that get less attention because people don't want to deal with them but if you can just go hit a button because somebody else was clever enough to make a tool that could find the thing and propose a fix, that helps. And, and this kind of investment from Google and others certainly will be a, you know, a step on the way there. Yeah, I think it's it's healthy to put a team together whose kind of sole purpose is to look at this because I know from previous experience, when you find a bit of open source code that you really want to use, 
but it just has one little feature that would be really helpful for you um, that you know that you could go in there and, and add yourself, but you just don't have the time. You, you don't have the, the resources from um, your workplace in order to do that. So you know, the, the delay in whatever you were working on to do that, you end up just moving on and not, not doing it. So having that dedicated team, allowing um, that team to see actually this would be really great improvement uh, for this library that multiple users could get benefits from and which, actually having the time to dedicate it to do that, which is awesome. Which makes me think about what you said earlier about whether if companies themselves encourage their employees to take some time, like 5% time, 10% time, or whatnot, to go do good things for open source. If they happen to find something that's like, hey, this one feature for this one open source project would really help in this spot over here, and I can use work time on it. That would be mm -hmm. awesome. And it's interesting that it's not just Google doing this, right? I mean, there are a lot of other projects contributing to it. Uh, yeah. Like there is the openness of Alpha Omega project. Um, I'm reading from the website, its purpose is to you know, improve global open source software supply chain security by working with project maintainers to systematically look for new as yet undiscovered vulnerabilities in open source code. Um, so other companies doing it. And there is another one interestingly for me, um, the Linux Foundation Secure Open Source or the SOS project. Uh, the interesting one is, you know, there's a 1 million funding from Google for it. SOS is actually offering $10,000 in rewards to developers for hardening software. So if you are a developer and if you can harden the software, you can probably claim for you know, up to $10,000 from Google. Um, so there is monetary benefit in you know, make, uh, creating secure software. That's interesting, right? Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of good initiatives happening in the tech community for making sure that we are developing secure software. And this is where I have another sort of topic that's not a pet peeve but a pet concern just because i have seen over the years working in open source how like bounty programs can work and how bounty programs can be abused because it's one thing like i worked with with like bounty source.com at one point which was really just like hey you see an issue on some open source project somewhere and you want to encourage people to fix it put a bounty on it mm -hmm. and you know in concept that sounds like a good idea but then you can get to a point where you have you get bombarded by these supposed fixes to a thing you didn't know about because some outside party just kind of put a bounty on it and you're like wait a minute no no, no this is not how i want to fix this at all or even if the fixes are good it's like here's a pile of poorly written code that will fix your problem can you please review it and merge it so i can get paid please thank you and then you get into as a maintainer well do you have time for that? Do you want to educate this user on how to fix like and limp their code and make it acceptable? It gets so complicated. Money in, in open source is such a, a double-edged sword. Mm. That's an interesting sure. point because I've never thought of it like that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure probably, John, you have some stories to talk about the Atlassian Bounty Program because we also do some bounty program for our own internal products, right? Yeah, so 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 when we the um there's like bug bug bounties, which I think are they, I mean they're they're a really powerful tool. I and they're 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 really great for that. But in order to have one of those running, you need to make sure that you have a team that's able to respond quickly and things like that. You know, you're 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 inviting attention 
and and your eye got the sort of the, the the engagement there. Um, and so you you need to have that. So I mean, as as Rasma said, like if you've got a bounty put out on your project and you're not expecting it and you're you're not prepared for, for, for it, you can get thoroughly overwhelmed and it's totally it's not it's not a helpful uh, it's not not a help, helpful thing to do. So those things you need to do like super carefully. Um, and it, it is that it's that people aspect of the uh, things. It has to be a conversation. There has to be like willingness to uh, to, to participate and to contribute and that be. Um, and 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 to, to to look at that, it's interesting looking at um, the oh, sort of the the, the the ten points and open SSF's um, uh, sort of plan. Is, is that kind of the 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 plan for um, what what do they call it? Um, streams. There's their streams of investment. So one of them is security is security um, education, which is like it's it's one of the things that um, can so easily get missed, and it's really difficult to keep on top of all the various different like. New, new new potential vulnerabilities um, and, and and class and classes of of of, um, of, of risk um, and and it kind of this, this this plan goes over these 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 ten different areas um, and kind of like roughly looking at about half of them are like are about like culture and team support and about another half are like tech technical solutions to things like digital signatures um, and better scanning. Um, the sort of tools for, for for those things. So, so I, it's quite, I quite like their I quite like their their approach on on uh, on 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 how, on how how they're going to do that in a way that doesn't heap pressure onto those maintainers, you know, mm -hmm. who are you know like that like, um, poor maintainer in Nebraska who's, yeah. <laughs> who has been doing it. And and the the the, the other thing I think that's worth worth calling out on this is is that the majority of people who are contributing to open source. Um, well, maybe maybe that's not true, but a, a decent number of people contributing to open source they're not doing it for the money. So money is not potentially not really the motivator that's going to work well here. Um, so I think that, that looking at motivation and looking at why people contribute and why people run a project, I think that's really important in, in looking at how do we raise the bar um, like as, 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 as an industry to um, for, for, for security in, in open source. Yeah, that is just so extremely important that that level of motivation it, it's so easy to mess it up and money does not necessarily make it better i had uh, i had one example i just thought of that i thought was, was spot on in that uh, one of the projects i work on in open source land is a video game that has like in-game user interfaces that can be rendered with html at some point in the past somebody who did that just kind of took an existing library and just kind of dumped it in the, in the source code as actual source code, not like an external dependency. And included all kinds of things that weren't used like JavaScript rendering and whatnot. But because it was in our repo on GitHub, years later down the road, when nobody was maintaining the code anymore, somebody came out of the woodworks saying, hey, our scanner detected a vulnerability in the JavaScript parsing in your, in your projects. And if you approve this thing, we will pay a researcher for having found the thing, and then we will pay you for fixing it, which is like, that's kind of novel and interesting, but you realize this is unused code in embedded source that is woefully out of date in a video game that could be exploited if it was a web server. So it does completely miss. And, and you can tell that the person who shows up like, I want money and, and you can have money too. But there was nothing about open source in that whole interchange. There was no understanding of the project. 
And it was a completely pointless fix. So we turned it down and said, you know, this is a cool initiative, but you really need to sharpen your focus and understand what you're trying to do and the motivation for it. It is an interesting story though, right? Uh, so people are actually exploiting not just the vulnerabilities, but also vulnerabilities, the, the opportunity to fix it and may probably making money out of it. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, but again, the crew that Google started, maybe, you know, more focus on uh, certain teams to maintain these softwares will eventually eradicate the need for, you know, uh, individuals trying to fix uh, vulnerabilities for the sake of money or trying to make money out of it. It seems more like a one-time thing than that. It really feels like over time, you know, open source has just kind of acquired all these wounds and bruises and, and cuts and things. And this is Google and other companies just kind of flying in with a shipment of band-aids. And they slap them on there and, you know, it helps, but it doesn't fundamentally change the journey open source was on in the first place, which is what put it into all the brambles and, and things that caused those problems in the first place. So I, I, am, I am thankful to Google and others for jumping in. And even sometimes it's weird to be told, hey, you can be paid to fix bugs in your own code, which like as an open source maintainer, that's like, wow, that's really cool. But it's also not helpful at times, it's weird. So it's great that we are coming up with all these different ways to fix the vulnerabilities in the open source world, but we know that it's not going to be the story, right? It, uh, there will still be new vulnerabilities. So as people who are practicing DevOps, uh, as companies who are developing products using these open source libraries, there's always this question about, okay, how do we keep our product secure, safer, right? So that's where the DevOps principles will come in and say that, okay, you have to start doing shift left, you have to start catching these vulnerabilities earlier, you have to incorporate mm -hmm. security scanning um, uh, and vulnerability tests into your pipelines, those kind of things, right? So what do you think about it? I mean, is there another way to do things? I mean, so I think it's always a good start to have vulnerability scanning in your pipelines, <laughs> even if you're not contributing to like the open source itself, at least you'll know where there's vulnerabilities um, and protect yourself that way. Yeah, there's a lot of the logistics and meta work that really could use some of this help because that is a one-time investment that pays off over the long term. So lots of open source projects are just, you know, a random you know, repository on GitHub that somebody just threw some code at one point. GitHub itself has helped in the way that they automatically enable the uh, GitHub advanced security on repositories, which helps find some of the common vulnerabilities. They, they have the dependabot thing, which is useful. We need more of that because that is a force amplifier. Even if there's only one guy in Nebraska working on this particular library over here, if he's inside a, a tool ecosystem, that just makes it super easy to point out, like here's some quality standards and things, here's some recommendations, here's some linting tools, here's some simple warnings about what's wrong. That not only makes it easier for you as a person to go in there and a click button to apply fix, but it also helps you encourage others to come in by saying, welcome to my project. Here's a simple you know, to-do list of nice things it will be cool to have people's help with. Come on in and then help out, feel good, and help make the world a better place. 
Yeah, and in the story that you were saying earlier, Rasmus, so another person comes in, starts adding stuff into your open source uh, project, and then boom, suddenly, you know, the builds fail and you see that, okay, there are some vulnerabilities identified in the new code that you pulled in or the new library that you pulled in. And that actually notifies not just the maintainer, but also the person who committed the code saying that, okay, there is a problem with the code that I checked in, so I need to fix that before I can merge it or uh, move it upstream, right? Yep, and that's also where there is kind of a, a cultural ill that affects some projects, and I, I will be completely volunteering of having done this myself, but sometimes if you are you know, maintaining an open source project and you see somebody new come in and you are desperate for more help and more contributors and things like that, you might be tempted to let in some tech debt just to encourage these new people to, to come on board as ongoing maintainers and so on. That is a very, very tricky balancing act. All right, uh, I can't, you know, forget the statistic that I read about OpenSSS of saying it will take them at least 147.9 million to fix all the known vulnerabilities that we have identified in the next two years. That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of vulnerabilities that we have in the pipeline to fix. Yeah, scary numbers. <laughs> scary numbers indeed. Yep. And as usual, it's just it's just that tech debt building up over time. So anything that helps you like prevent that tech debt from accumulating in the first place, and anything that makes it faster and easier to fix it, those I would love to see more support for improving. But sometimes this has to just come from within the projects rather than from outside, because changes from outside, support from outside, with literal like code or money, can very much be you know short term. It can be false salvation. I mean, if, if somebody comes in and, and brings this awesome piece of everything, they'll just fix it. But then it turns out that nobody knows the language that is written in and it can't be maintained over time. Now you suddenly doomed the project you were trying to help. So White House or any government can come up with an executive order, but you know, it still has to be, there is still a job to be done uh, by technologists and it, companies around the world uh, to keep our software secure. Yeah, so if you're not maintaining any open source and you're using it, get onto that now. Give your, give your staff members time in their day to contribute, do it. Be the, be the initial, I can't remember what the name is for the, for the curve, was the initial adopters <laughs> and get out there. That's right. And um, I, I think that's a question that we always ask uh, at the end of the podcast, right? What's the one thing that mm -hmm. you would want to do? Uh, so Romy, that's your one thing? My one thing is we've just been adding um, automations into our pipeline for license checking as well. Um, so I would, uh, we, we did it manually first to check that it works, but like I'm always pro automate that if you can get that into a pipeline and you don't have to do it every single time just do it automate those tasks that are easy to automate get it in there save yourself a lot of hassle sounds great i mean i would go with vulnerability testing i mean we had been talking about vulnerabilities right uh, so if you have a pipeline already obviously if you don't have a pipeline that's the first thing that you should be doing build a pipeline mm -hmm. around your code but if you already have a pipeline 
yeah, make sure you add vulnerability testing at some point uh, before obviously you merge into your mainstream. Um, yeah, that's the one thing I would say uh, because it's a scary world out there. I mean, open source is great. Everybody is using it. Um, but as you saw from the numbers, I mean, there's hell a lot of vulnerabilities out there and it's going to take a lot of money and time and probably commitment from different companies to fix it. Um, so what we can do is, you know, uh, as Google said, right, know, know your vulnerabilities and then uh, fix it. Uh, but the first step is to know them. So add vulnerability testing to your pipelines. And I'll chip in actually by stealing Rami's item from earlier. I really want to highlight that. Make companies invest in this by promising their employees they can spend X percent of their time contributing to open source projects of their choice. It does not have to be relevant to their work. It has to be something they are enthusiastic about, that they want to do. Because open source and on the cultural side of things, it's like a garden. If you do what you can to just kind of, you know, make the, the, the soil fertile and make it really good to grow things, it doesn't matter what grows. That's part of the beauty of it, because people will just, you know, do things they think are beautiful. And that's what will grow in the garden. Whereas if you try these kind of heavy handed approaches and just kind of send people in with giant weed whackers and pesticide and so on, because we're trying to de-weed this thing, that doesn't help the garden. It just makes it look prettier for a little bit. Oh, and I guess, I guess my my one thing maybe maybe go um, tip tip your favorite or, or the or the open source project which you which you rely on. Like you know, buy send them a tip, give them buy, buy them a coffee, or show them show them that you you know you you appreciate the work that they that they're doing in in that because um, I think yeah, it can be a pretty thank, thankless task. So handing around a bit of appreciation, I think, would be. A, a great thing to do. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today to discuss everything open source and all of the exciting money that's being thrown at it by big companies. Um, we hope you're enjoying the show. Let us know what you think on social media at Adaptivist. Uh, we look forward to keeping you uh, interested and having a conversation with you there. We really want some feedback. So if anyone has anything good, bad, evil to say, you know, whack it on there. Um, so for uh, from me, Roby, your host, and Jobin, John, and Rasmus, thanks for listening today. Um, this has been another episode of DevOps Decrypted, which is part of the Adaptivist Live podcast network.